Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. When someone dedicates their life to something, they earn the status of an expert. But when they feel like they are all-knowing, they are driven by pride instead of knowledge. They'll learn the hard way that their ego has led them astray, and their deadly pride will be the very thing that kills them. First, karma can kill, followed by dangers right behind you. Then, death by guilt. Finally, in our featured story, people are the ultimate prey. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. So, wanna hear something scary? Deadly Pride Sometimes we're fortunate enough to experience life-changing events, but you mustn't let your privilege turn to greed, or there will be a price to pay. Like in this story inspired by Candace. Archaeology was a family business, so when Devon, with her master's in Egyptology, got the call from her aunt Alicia to join her in Cairo, she jumped at the chance. Aunt Alicia was a renowned archaeologist with several excavations under her belt. Her daughter, Poppy, had just joined as an apprentice and was the one to suggest Devon to tag along. Apparently, several underground tunnels had been discovered beneath a pyramid, and the three of them were to be the first to set foot in them in thousands of years. While Alicia was successful, she also had a tarnished reputation. Devon had heard rumors that whenever her aunt was the first to uncover a tomb, she would steal artifacts, then sell them on the black market. Some of them were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Devon wouldn't dare take anything from a tomb for fear of revenge from the dead. Being newer to the field, she just felt honored to be a part of the team. The first dig day, all three arrived with their excavation tools, lights, and dusting brushes. They entered the main corridor and followed it hundreds of feet down, 
until they arrived at a taped-off area designated for them. Behind it stood an enormous pile of rocks, as if something sacred was behind it. They quickly got to work. After several hours, they dug enough of an opening for them to enter. Immediately, they were struck with an overwhelming sensation that they were not alone. Alicia was overly excited, almost manic, no doubt thinking of her bank balance. Poppy was on edge, which also rubbed Devin's nerves raw. As Aunt Alicia examined some ancient scriptures on the wall, Devin deciphered the old hieroglyphics. Those wound tightest are the first to unravel, she read. It seemed like a warning, but Alicia wasn't interested, already pocketing a necklace she'd found. Devin's attempts to dissuade her aunt were met with outrage. It all just felt very wrong. At the center of the room stood the sarcophagus, which they very carefully opened. And what they saw inside was unusual. Alicia was confused. Frowning, she muttered, That's odd. I've never seen wrapping so tightly wound. Poppy agreed. Usually, a mummy's wrapping is a bit tattered and loose after years of decay, but this was still solid, as if fresh. Perhaps the colder temperatures at this depth preserved it differently, she wondered. Devon's aunt spotted a shiny ivory comb at the mummy's feet. She pocketed it, thrilled that along with the necklace, she would make millions from this dig. They got all the photos and first looks one could ever hope to achieve on the first day of an excavation and then retired to the hotel, desperate for sleep and a shower before doing it all over again in the morning. The next morning, Alicia was not in the lobby as planned. Devin headed to her aunt's room. Poppy was already standing outside, banging on the door, the hotel manager by her side, the cousins locked eyes sharing an ominous feeling. As the manager opened the door, Devin walked in first, just in case. She looked inside. Poppy rushed in and fell to her knees. The white sheets from the bed had been wrapped around Alicia's body so tightly they'd torn gashes in her skin. Blood was seeping out of every fold, staining the linen scarlet. Her head was bound also, suffocating her and they knew instantly that she was dead. Two days later, the police gave them Alicia's personal items and said a note had been discovered in the palm of her hand. The officer handed over a sealed evidence bag containing the scrap of paper for Devin to read. The paper looked so old. It had almost turned to dust, but she was able to read the same words they found in the tomb. Those wound tightest are the first to unravel. Stealing the artifacts had caused Annalisha's life to unravel, and she had paid the ultimate price. Thank you so much, Candace, for inspiring this Egyptian excavation tale for us. Listener, have you ever taken something you shouldn't have? 
What were the consequences? How would you feel if you didn't get caught? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When we are feeling lost, it can be easy to overlook things, to ignore warnings, scoff at the signs. But fate has a way of catching up and it will find you, no matter the price. Like in this story inspired by Maximus. Remy was a few months out of college, struggling to find her way in the world. Between a degree in parapsychology and a global pandemic, she found herself packing up and moving back to Birmingham to live with her parents. Not only had the world shut down, but apparently hiring someone who had studied inexplicable phenomena wasn't at the top of anyone's list. Future unknown, she sold all her furniture and loaded the car with clothes, boxes of literature, and things that she'd collected over the last four years of studies. Perhaps she didn't think there would be any harm in driving around with these artifacts, these relics, these ancient keepsakes but that would be a mistake she would regret. She awoke before dawn the next morning to begin the 14-hour journey. Within moments of reaching the highway, rather than the expected sunrise, the sky began to turn dark. Thunder and lightning quickly followed, and swirling black clouds filled the sky. Occasionally, Remy would have to pull over to allow the heavy rains to pass, The meteorologist on the radio was even confused by the unexpected turn in the weather. She was begging for everyone to stay safe, to only head out onto the roads if absolutely necessary. But Remy was determined to get to her parents before dark, so she kept driving, despite the warning. After a couple of hours, she made it out of the storm, its fury only visible in the rearview mirror. She shook it off as a fluke, glad to be past it and safe. An hour later, she hit a pothole, shifting the boxes in the back. Remy kept driving for several more moments when suddenly, something hit the wheel, causing her to swerve off the road. When she checked, the tire was blown. It couldn't have been the pothole. As she stepped closer to inspect, there was a knife stuck in the tire's side. She looked around, seeing nothing but farmland and chalked it up to some random debris left by a farmer. It took 30 minutes to change the tire, but eventually she was back on the road. For several hours, it was a peaceful ride. 
eerily quiet, in fact. Then she saw the sign, Welcome to Birmingham, filling her with an overwhelming sense of relief. Wanting to take a photo of the sign with her old-school film camera, she reached back, fumbling through the boxes, knocking them one side to the other, one hand still on the steering wheel, trying to locate it. Remy felt around in the back, unknowingly touching each of the cursed objects, the relics, the ancient keepsakes, until she found what she wanted. She pulled right up to the sign and got out of the car. She held the camera up, snapped the photo, and through the lens, saw a skeletal figure, pieces of gray skin peeling off, flapping in the breeze. Its bony hands stretched out towards Remy, and its gaunt face looked at her with eyeless sockets, burning red. She jumped back, terrified, but as she lowered the lens, the ghastly apparition was gone. What the hell? So, despite being afraid, she raised the camera again, shaking at the thought of seeing that thing again, but the screen was normal. No demonic figure to be seen. Remy let out a shaky breath. She must have imagined it. It had been a long and stressful journey after all. About to head back to the car, seemingly out of nowhere, a van slammed into her, dragging her body 20 yards, fatally wounding her. As her heart gave its last beat, she looked up to see the same skeletal demonic figure hovering above her, ready to catch her soul where it would be locked away with it forever. If only Remy had taken the time to pack away the cursed objects without handling them, these cursed relics always find a way to fulfill their dark promise. Remy had ignored all the signs, so in the end, death caught up with her. Thank you so much, Maximus, for inspiring this cursed relic tale for us. Do you have any cursed relics or cursed objects in your house? How did you get them and do you treat them with respect? Has there ever been a time you've been so overwhelmed it seemed like you forgot everything you knew, as in you lost your common sense? Just because you have the biggest heart in the world doesn't mean it can make up for a deadly mistake. Like in this story inspired by Shade. Shannis was the number one pharmacist in Ventura County. Folks would drive for miles just to visit Dobson's drugstore. She was able to calm and cure her patients as if she'd cast a spell. Even though it was possible to get overwhelmed with the workload, she still devoted herself to the store and the community. The hardest part was that most of the customers were elderly, and Shannis had seen many people come and go throughout her 30-year career, but she always felt as if they were still with her. Miss May was her favorite. In her 80s, she was still spry as ever. She would pop in to see Shannis at least twice a week. If it wasn't for a prescription, it was for an iced tea, some hard candy, and a lotto ticket. 
always numbers 2, 16, 19, 34, 55, 78. The first four numbers were her birth date, February 16, 1934. 55 was the year she married, and her husband passed away at 78 years. She'd been playing the same numbers for years. One day, Miss May came to fill her prescription for her blood pressure medicine. There had been a mix-up with her insurance, and with no time to fix it, Shannis offered a free trial of a new drug she'd been promised by the pharmaceutical rep was just as good as her client's usual medication. She assured Miss May she would be just fine, but three days later, Miss May was dead. The coroner ruled the cause of death as heart failure and atherosclerosis, both usually caused by high blood pressure. While Shannis felt awful, she knew she had done the right thing according to the current medical laws, but still, there was a part of her that felt like if she had just taken the extra time, Miss May would still be alive. It began to haunt her, playing on her mind, causing her stress and anxiety. Weeks went by, and just as things started to return to normal, Shannis swore she saw Miss May walking by the store, R in the aisles, but when her eyes adjusted, it would be someone else, R, nothing at all. Late one night, Shannis was in the back, prepping prescriptions. She had a stack of small slips of paper, medical letterheads filled out by doctors. Halfway through the stack, she saw a random white piece of paper. In sprawling handwriting, it said, Miss May Danson, Zestral. Shannis jolted back. She looked around as if this was someone's sick joke. Zestral was the brand Miss May usually took before Shannis had convinced her to take the free trial medication instead. Shannis thought someone else at the pharmacy must have been playing a joke. She went to the front of the store to look around, but to her surprise, it was empty. The place had been locked up, the lights turned off. She looked at her watch and realized she had stayed past closing again. As she walked back to the pharmacy, a register started going off. It was making all kinds of noises. Shannis headed over to it. The drawer was opening and closing on its own, the keys on the register being pushed. Then suddenly, it stopped. Shannis leaned over and shut the drawer. She looked at the receipt sticking out at the top. Chills ran down her spine. It read, Iced Tea, Hard Candy, Mega Million. And as she stood frozen, the register began typing in the Mega Million numbers. 2, 16, 19, 34, 55, and finally, 78. Just then, Shannis felt a tightness in her chest, and she collapsed to the ground, writhing in pain. Lying there, clutching her heart with the receipt in her grip, she just faded away. The coroner ruled the cause of death as heart failure and atherosclerosis, just like the former Miss May. Thank you so much, Shade, for inspiring this tale of guilt for us. 
Have you ever made a mistake that was difficult to live with? Any supernatural repercussions? Maybe something that you even brought upon yourself? Tell us about it at somethingscary@snarled.com. Forests and what lives in them are judged to be just a resource, and unfortunately most times is a resource for humans to destroy. But lying within the depths of them are still some surprises waiting for those who disrespect Mother Forest's good nature. Deep in the Colombian forest, a terrifying protector guards the landscape. She is known by those who respect and fear her as La Madre Monte, Mother Mountain. This spirit, this legend, dressed in leaves. She will do you no harm if you value nature as she does. But beware. She is also a harbinger of justice. It will enforce the law of the forest to anyone who causes harm, especially those who hunt for greed. And the penalty might be death. Mira Miller could feel the adrenaline pumping through her veins. The thrill of the hunt was what drove her and her old college buddies Jason and Lotus across the globe to find new game to track in places they didn't need a permit, or at least where they could pay enough money to have officials look the other way. The cotton-top tamarind, an endangered species of primate that lived deep in the Colombian forest was to be her latest trophy. She was determined to either capture one for the illegal pet trade or hunt it, another distinctive head to mount on the wall of her den. The poachers spoke in hushed whispers as they trudged through the trees, accompanied by the chirping of cicadas and rustles of leaves. After hours of nothing, they heard a screech, the cry of the tamarind. Mira turned her compound crossbow upwards towards the highest branches. As her finger rested on the trigger, a sharp tug yanked at her leg. Mira yelped, tumbling to the ground. Her arrow missed, firing into a tree nearby. Mira, what the hell? You had it, Jason called. She looked up, the primate long gone. She glared at Jason, seething. Thanks a lot, she snarled. Stomping off, she gazed back up at the now ominously orange sky. She'd never seen it look like that before. Muttering, Mira suggested they all head back to the lodge as it would be getting dark soon. The trio trudged back through the dimming forest in silence. A half hour passed, and there was no sign of the path they'd previously taken. It was almost as if the landscape had changed. The three of them hadn't spoken for a while, so she assumed the others felt the same way, that they were utterly lost. Before Mira could turn around to confer with them, she heard a noise, a quiet clicking and a rustle of bushes, and something else. She raised her weapon, scanning the menacing trees. The forest was quiet, too quiet. She turned, and her blood froze to ice. Lotus was crouched, weapon also poised at the trees, but Jason was gone. She was nowhere to be seen. They swore that just minutes earlier, she'd been right behind them. Mira felt disoriented. Lotus looked just as confused. They called out, hoping to hear a response. Instead, 
there was only a clicking sound and strange shadows just out of sight. Jason wouldn't play this kind of prank. Something was very wrong. As the hair on the back of her neck began to prickle, Mira shouted, run. The women ran, Mira in the lead. They were now looking out for themselves. Lotus didn't even have time to scream as a large shadowy creature swooped in and grabbed her from behind. The hunters were now being hunted. Mira was beset with panic and tripped over a loose root on the forest floor. Rubbing her ankle, she realized Lotus was no longer behind her. Lo, she called, but as before, she was met only with silence. Dread gnawed at her insides. Limping, she looked ahead at the seemingly impossible. The trees in front of her had somehow blocked her path. She could only retreat, heading backwards. As she did, she felt wet drops land on her cheek, along with the unmistakable stench of copper. Slowly, as her heart thumped with terror, she raised her eyes to the forest canopy. Her legs wobbled and she gagged at the hideous sight. At the top of a canopy were the bodies of Lotus and Jason. The women were tied above with vines that pierced through their bodies like barbed wire. Their insides were wrapped around the vines, painting the dark green forest red. Blood spilled from their mouths, dripping down on her face. As she stumbled and fell to the ground in horror, a long knotted wooden arm reached towards her, clicking and snapping, its nails sharpened to the peak. Bright emerald eyes glowed within the darkness, illuminating a mass of hair made of leaves. It looked like a woman, but a monstrous woman with green skin, vegetation and sticks springing up across her body. Her teeth were sharp, spread wide in her crooked, malicious smile. Mira screamed, petrified, as the creature rushed in, swiping with her machete-sharp limb, and then walked back into the forest with her trophy, Mira's decapitated head. A few days later, three missing persons notices were pasted all across the nearby county, but the bodies of the trio were never found. La Madre Monte, Mother Mountain, was victorious yet again. She slides within the shadows of the forest, watching and waiting for those who trespass and those who break the laws of nature for their own gain. A deadly fate awaits those who dare try. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Janine Pipe, and Sarah Lukasiewicz. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.